Hey, Doug. Doug. Church, I just want to say I have a man crush on this guy right here. Man, when he opened that, when I hear the chains falling, wow, that was awesome. I tell you what, there are some churches who are not meeting this weekend because they're kind of calling it a holiday weekend. Just look around the room, ladies and gentlemen. We are meeting in the house of God for the first Sunday of the year. Way to go, way to prioritise and be in the house of God the beginning of a new year. Very cool. At this time of year, uh, people start to choose a word. Maybe you're one of these people, you've heard of people doing this. They kind of, they choose a word that's going to travel with them throughout the year. Uh, Maybe a focus word, a prayer word, um, and they just ask God, hey, would you give me a theme for the new year? Right, some people have like the word health, because they want to Uh, focus on healthy living in the new year, or friendships, I want to be a better friend, or maybe rest, I want to work on my rhythms and my routines and make sure I'm having my Sabbath and having good healthy rest. Maybe it's serving, I want to volunteer more in the church and in other areas in my life. But today, I want to give a, a word over this message today, and the word is simply first. First. You see, this is the first message that you have heard in 2022, and it can only get better from here. (laughs) But there's something interesting about first. We often remember our first, our first car, our first job, our first house. Maybe not so much do we remember kind of the second and third, but there is something significant about first. I want to invite you to jump in the deep end of the pool for a minute. I want to test you. Do, you. do you remember the first time you recognized and responded to a prompting from God in your life? The first time you recognized a nudge from heaven and you responded to it. For me, I was about 11 years old. I was in fifth grade. And uh, at school, I had this classmate named Adam, and Adam uh, was constantly teased and picked on by students at school. He uh, often came to school dishevelled in his appearance. His his sweater uh, was dirty. Uh, His jeans had uh, rips in them before that was cool. Uh, His hair uh, constantly looked like he was overdue for a haircut. And kids would sometimes pick on him for his body odour. Well, there was this particular day, I recall, uh, standing in a group of kids, and Adam came walking up, and his sneakers were so old that the sole on the sneakers would come apart as he walked, and so it kind of made this snapping noise, and so the kids started calling him Crocodile Boy. And I remember that that just shook me. And I went home that night, and I said to my mum, I want to... I want to buy a new pair of sneakers for a kid at school. Now, quick side note. Parents, this year, if you ever have an opportunity when one of your children asks you to do an act of generosity, do your best to say yes. So back when I was 11 years old, I said to my mom, I want to buy a pair of sneakers uh, for this boy. And she says yes. And she says, but you need to do it with dignity. 
And so that would mean, why don't you ask Adam if he can come over for a play date on the weekend, and then privately you can give him sneakers. So that's what we did, uh, arranged that, and we bought uh, some lunch, and I grabbed the, the box of sneakers, and I went over, and I remember the house, and I knocked on the door, and his dad answered the door. His dad was a, a, a blue-collar tradesman. I was really intimidated. I was 11 years old, and he invited me in, and he waved goodbye to my mum as she drove off. And I remember walking into this really old, rundown house and into the kitchen, and there was this small uh, kitchen table, and the dad pulled out a chair, and there was a stack of newspapers on it. And he lifted the newspapers and put them on the table and said, here, sit down. We sat down, we had lunch, I gave Adam the sneakers, he put them on, and I still remember their old refrigerator and the buzzing sound as we sat awkwardly having this lunch together. Soon enough, we went out into the backyard and played together, and then my mum came and picked me up. Well, as we were driving home, she asked me how, how it went, and I said, I actually had a whole lot of fun, it was great. And then I couldn't hold it in any longer, and I said, Mum, do you know that Adam doesn't have a mum? And she said, yeah. Yeah, I know, it's quite sad, but she died. And Adam's dad is doing the best he can to raise three boys by himself. And I remember vividly that conversation and knowing that I had partaken in some activity that was not of this world, but it was actually of God's kingdom. And that feeling of first recognising and responding to a nudge, a, a prompting from heaven. Do you remember the first time that you recognised a nudge from heaven? You experienced God calling you into the activities of his kingdom. I think that first time that you recognise and respond is a time you don't forget. You don't forget the first. You see, the Bible teaches us that we all get to run one race for God. And when we're done, we leave this reality and we come face to face with our Creator. We all only get one race to run. So at the beginning of a new year, I wanna invite you to be clear-headed and ask, why would you not give your all to run this race well? to give your very best, to break the tape at full speed, knowing the enjoyment of the feeling that you gave your best to the one who has only ever given his best for you. There's a great passage to read at the beginning of any new season, any new chapter of your life or the beginning of a new year. It's recorded in Matthew 6, it's verses 25 to 34, and I encourage you to read it in your prayer time. But basically, in this passage, Jesus is saying to us, as, as you enter into any new season, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're gonna wear. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat. I have it in control, and I will provide. He says in verse 33, but, first, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Other versions say to be added unto you, that you will be provided by the hand of God if you seek him first in your life. 
You'll be taken care of in all ways on all days. Do you know the number one category for New Year's resolutions? The number one category is money, people's finances. Person after person names a New Year's resolution that has something to do with being more financially stable in the year ahead. They desire a lift ticket to get them out of being buried alive by debt, experiencing the crazy, chaotic financial world. And you're here today on the first Sunday of a new year because you wanna grow spiritually. You're, you're tuning in online because you desire to grow spiritually. You see, you wouldn't be here if that wasn't true. You wouldn't have taken time to log in and to be online if you didn't care about growing spiritually. So I wanna tell you that living out the principles in the Bible is the ultimate lift ticket. There are more than 500 references to prayer, over 500 concerning faith matters, but a whopping 2,000 verses regarding your money and possessions. Almost half, 42% of Jesus' parables include the gripping power of money. Now let's be clear, God is not wanting our money. He's not wanting your possessions, nor is he needing it. He wants your heart. He unapologetically wants to be first in your life. And God knows there's a battle for your heart. And if money sinks its claws into you, it's an overwhelming challenge for God to be first in your life. And for you to run this race well. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, immediately before he says not to worry about what you wear or what you'll eat, he says these words, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So in the time I have remaining, I wanna zoom in with you the power of making God first in our finances. Making God first in our finances, the beginning of a new year to release the grip that money has in our lives. I wanna just teach from the scriptures with, with no condemnation or judgment today. Because imagine with me for a moment, if at the beginning of a new year, you could have a spiritual victory under your belt, a victory over your finances, and this victory could lead to God moving up into the first position in your life. I wanna acknowledge Pastor Robert Morris's book, The Blessed Life. In it, he writes this. It always requires faith to give the first. That's why so few Christians experience the blessings of tithing. It means giving to God before you see if you are going to have enough. By tithing, it is as if we are saying to God, I recognize you first. I'm putting you first in my life and I trust you to take care of the rest of the things in my life. That is why tithing is so important. Listen to this. 
It is the primary way we acknowledge that God is first. Let me illustrate this at a short story with two brothers who approach this in two different ways. One of them is a, a crop farmer and one of, them, one of them is a rancher. It's recorded in Genesis 4. The scripture reads, Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. Now notice the term, over the course of time. Cain was bringing an offering to God from what was remaining. And God did not look favourably upon it because God must be first. However, Abel gave of his firstborn lambs and in return, he received the favour of God. I want you to hold on to that term, the favour of God. It was my parents who taught me this principle when I was 14 years old. I got my first job at a grocery store uh, after school and on Saturdays, and I would be responsible for sweeping the store and, and filling the shelves. Uh, going out and collecting the shopping trolleys in the car park, uh, shopping carts in the parking lot. <laughs> um, and back in the 80s and 90s, we were paid with cash. We would have to go up to the pay lady and sign for our pay, and we would get an envelope. And I remember, because it's funny how you remember the first things, I was paid $4.83 an hour 20 hours, $96.60. And each Thursday that I would get paid, I remember just the joy of emptying the envelope and having that cold, hard cash. Now, by the way, quick side note, I remember when it went electronic and I was skeptical. Like, I want my cash. Who's got my cash, right? Well, my parents taught me that I should get uh, some Ziploc bags and that right from the start, the first thing I should do is take 10% of my gross income from my grocery store, which was $9.66, and put it in a Ziploc bag. I then come along to church on Sunday, and just like we have envelopes in our black giving boxes, I would grab one of the church envelopes, I'd put my $9.66 in there, and with much joy, I would place this in the offering basket. I have done that practice now for 31 years. Now, obviously it's electronic now, but if you looked at my records, you would see uh, on payday, I get a, a deposit into my bank account and the very first withdrawal is to New Hope Church, 10% of my gross income. That is because God is first in my household. It is a way that I demonstrate with my family and have done for over 30 years that God is first. He's calling us to place him in his rightful position because the tithe must be first because God is only available to be first in our lives. There's no other position for God. 
In Leviticus 27, 30, it reads, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Holy in the Hebrew is the word kadosh, and it simply means to be set apart. The, the, the tithe, the first, is to be set apart for the purposes of God. Let me illustrate this another way. I was at my neighbor's a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he doesn't know Jesus. He's, he's actually on my invest card. Um, but I'm around there for lunch. And uh, over the previous months, we talked about he wanted to extend his back deck, but with the shortage of labor and materials, it had been dragged on and on and on. But when I was around there for lunch a couple of weeks ago, he says, hey, I've got my deck extended. You want to come out and have a look? And so we got up and, and went out to his back deck, and I was admiring uh, the workmanship, and I, I said, hey, with the, with the shortage and, you know, like, how much did it cost you? And he said, well, the, the carpenter was actually really fair. He said, you know, with the, with the lumber uh, uh, charges going up and down and all that, you pay for the materials and say, just give me uh, $1,000 for my labour. So $1,000 for his income, his earnings, not the, not the materials of building the deck, but just simply his income. And so imagine my neighbour gets 10 Benjamins and uh, lays down uh, 1,000 bucks for the carpenter. And let's say the carpenter is a follower of Jesus and wants God to be first in his life. What would the tithe be of $1,000? Some of you are like, uh, carry the one. <laughs> I made that as easy as I could, right? Yes, it's, it's $100. Now, of these 10 Benjamins, which one is God's? The first one that leaves his hand is the tithe. And, and this is why. Because the first one that leaves your hand has the power to redeem the other nine. Listen to this. If you pay your electricity bill first, if you put gas in your car first, if you pay your mortgage company first, none of those companies have the power to redeem your finances. Only God being in first position has the power to redeem your finances the power of God being first. In Proverbs 3.9, it says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And here's the promise. Here's the redeeming promise. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You see, the favour of God, hold on to that term, the favour of God permeates every aspect of a person's life. Their health, relationships, employment, family, and well-being. when you choose to put God first. I told you, my, my parents taught me this. But I, 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 I saw it actually done this way, and, and I've never forgotten it. You, you hear a you heard teaching on, on tithing, or on, on finances, and let's say uh, there's two people sitting in the same section listening to this, like say one row away from each other. 
hearing exactly the same teaching. And the, and the first person says, you know what, I'm, I'm at, at point A, and I need to get to point B with my income, with my earnings. At, at point B, I have responsibilities. I have a mortgage payment, a, a car payment, I have monthly bills, utilities, I have to save for retirement, I have to save for college for my kids. Uh, and, and I've done the sums, I've done them backwards and forwards, and the only way I can make this work is if I use 100% of my earnings to move me from A, where I'm full of responsibilities, through to B, where I fulfill those commitments that I have in my life. This person says, you know what, I know numbers, and I know I have to use 100% to get to B. Now I say, remember, there's two people in the same section. There's a person in front, so the person behind. He says, hey, I totally relate with what it means to have responsibilities and commitments, and I also need to get from A to B. But I want God to be first in my life. I want God to be first in my finances. I actually believe the promises of Scripture that if I seek first His kingdom and all His righteousness, then He will provide for me. And so this second person says, the first thing I do is I take 10% and I give to the purposes of God. And then with the remaining 90%, I seek to get from my commitments and my responsibilities through to fulfilling them at B. However, what the Bible tells us is when we make God first in our finances, He actually opens up something and we move from just the resources of this earth to the resources of heaven are made available. And this means instead of staying at B and just simply fulfilling responsibilities and commitments, this person experiences putting God first by tithing first, moving not from B, but all the way to an experience at C. And what is the experience at C? The saying I told you to hold on to? The favour of God experienced in someone's life. You see, it was Billy Graham who said, we have found in our own home that God's blessing upon the nine-tenths when we tithe helps it go farther than ten-tenths without his blessing. All right, I wanna get to the punchline of this illustration. Now listen to this. Both of these guys sitting in this section hearing the same teaching, worshipping the same God, hearing in the promises of God's favour and blessing on their life, both think the other person is a fool. <laughs> think about it. This guy says, I'm a numbers guy. I know it only works if I give all my 100% of my income to get to be. And dude, you're a fool if the first thing you do is give 10% away before you even know if you can afford to pay your bills. You're a fool to give 10% away before you know that you can fulfill your responsibilities to your family and your commitments to your debts. You're a fool. 
But guy number two, he thinks this person's a fool because he says the promises of Scripture mean instead of just relying on earthly resources, instead of simply relying on your own ability to control your financial world, Get the favour of God and have the opportunity of the resources of heaven added to your earthly resources. And don't stay at B, but experience C. So here's my question to you guys today. What kind of fool do you want to be? Let's say I was to find another $100 in my pocket here. Scott, can, I, can you hold on to this for me? No, you, can hold on to, you can just hold on to that. <laughs> just while no one else is listening. That's real, and I asked you to hold on to it. <laughs> you know, in Scripture, when God is instructing us on the tithe, he never uses the term give. He uses the term bring. Okay? Scott, will you bring that 100 back to me? (laughs) Thank you, brother. Did you do anything to it? No, no, okay. If I was to tell you, guess what happened to me at church today? Scott gave me $100. You say, Reese, that's pretty misleading. You actually gave Scott the $100 and he returned it to you. (laughs) You cannot give what isn't yours to give in the first place. God simply invites us to bring it back to him. Listen to this, because it's, it's all his, right? Psalm 24, verse one. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Any questions? <laughs> what about Psalm 50? For every animal of the forest is mine, says the Lord, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. We're invited by God to simply bring back to Him what He has entrusted us with. I trusted Scott with a hundred bucks. I trusted him and then I invited him to bring it back to me and he was faithful to do so. This is God's invitation to us. So let me start to wrap up and, and pull this train into the station. One, one last story. And this story is, is widely known and you might even recognise an expression from this story that has made its way into our culture 2,000 years later. The story is written in the book of Luke and this is the only time recorded in Scripture that Jesus does this. He is sitting out in front of the the temple treasury and he's watching person after person come and give their offering to the house of God. And I could imagine Jesus sitting there and, and turning to his disciples and say, listen up guys, 
you're about to see an object lesson because small gifts matter to my Father. Large gifts matter as well, but it is the heart that is revealed and my Father wants your heart. You see, when a wealthy person brings a large gift from their abundance, the offering often doesn't impact their lives. No spending habits are adjusted, no skipping restaurants, no ripple effect at all. A wealthy person can be tempted to bring a large gift but continue in the business with all kinds of reserves in play. Let me read the story, Luke 21. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. You see, in small offerings was a huge demonstration of her faith, a demonstration that the widow was putting God first. An astounding act of faith. And this is what moves the heart of the Father. Jesus was saying here, it's not the size of the gift, but the size of your faith to give the gift that matters to God. Do you recognize the expression we still use today from that story? The widow's might. We relate with widow's might kind of giving. So let me get personal here, because some of you can relate to the widow and the two mites that she put in the offering. You come here on a Sunday and you come into this beautiful building and, and, and maybe you're on a small fixed income, maybe you're a college student, maybe there's some circumstances in your life and your earnings right now are not very much. And as you look around this beautiful facility, you might think to yourself, there must be some well-off people in this church. And you know what? My 15 bucks, my, 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 my $15 tithe isn't gonna make a hill of beans of difference in the scheme of things around here. My 15 bucks doesn't matter. You see, your offering matters to God because it's a demonstration. It's a declaration at the beginning of a new year. Friends, the, the past is the past. And, and my heart for us today is for us to experience more of God's favour in our lives. And some of you are in crazy right now. Crazy, chaotic financial world. And as I've been talking about tithe, some of you have been thinking, oh gosh, I have got so much to make up from last year that I didn't bring back to God. I just wanna tell you, the heart of God is not to condemn you with a record of your past, but is to invite you into the fullness that comes with the favour of heaven when you put Him first in your life. 
So hear me, I'm not condemning any of you for your giving habits. I am simply teaching from Scripture the invitation from God to bring back to Him and to put Him first in your finances. And I believe the promises of Scripture mean that throughout the year of 2022, you will experience C kind of living. Now that doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna be money. That's why it's the favour of God, it's the blessing of God invited into your life as you experience the windows of heaven being opened up and God's favour coming out over your life. You see, your offering matters. Let me repeat myself one more time. It's not the size of the gift, but the size of your faith to give the gift that matters to God. Every time you take from your modest means and give of your 10% tithe to the purposes of God, heaven recognises your faith and they applaud the act of faith, the declaration that God is first in your life. And heaven says that will be rewarded. This is what we're invited into. You see, God will honour the faith. When you give first and you get to see kind of living and experience His favour, the blessings will shower down in your life. And some of you will experience moving from crazy to God's provision and His peace in your finances. Yes? Yes. Would you stand with me? My hope is that many of you at the beginning of this new year will take the necessary steps to move God into the first position in your finances. See, personally speaking, I've never quite got over the first time God invited me to experience something not of this world, but of His kingdom. And when you experience Jesus in every area of your life, including your finances, you don't quite get over it. And I started when I was 14 years old, giving a measly $9.66, but I've just continued that habit for 31 years. My, my wife has experienced the favour of this dedication and declaration in our marriage. Our children have experienced the favour of God because as a household we have said, God is first. And my hope is that my children's children will experience this because we have set deliberately into the legacy of our family, God is first and we give God our first 10% so that He will bless our finances. In a moment, we're gonna sing a very deliberate song about breakthrough. And some of you, as you stand here, kind of feeling somewhat buried alive by the debt that you move into this new year with, some of you need a breakthrough. Some of you need strongholds broken. Some of you literally need financial mountains to be moved because you are weary. And the invitation from God today is that you'll step into His blessing.
But know this, in human life, no one ever drifted into higher levels of spiritual living. No one has ever drifted into higher levels of commitment. No one has ever drifted into higher levels of honouring God with their finances. It simply has never happened. The drift in human nature is always south. And it takes a very courageous, deliberate decision to move north, especially in our spiritual lives. You must drive a stake deep into the ground and say, enough of this crazy, enough of me trying to control my financial world. I wanna take up the invitation from God and say, yes, yes, Lord, take my financial world. Enough crazy. So it's decision time. There's a battle every time you receive earnings. There's a battle every payday in your life. There's a battle. Who is first in your life? At the start of the new year, won't you join me in saying, God, I want you in the first position. I wanna honour you, the God who loves me, who has only ever given his best for me. And so I wanna challenge you right now. Because this is what pastors do. Pastors call people to decisions. And the temptation right now is for me to say, God bless you and on your way, but I wanna push to the challenge to say, what would it look like right now for you to seal a decision with an outward expression of an inward decision? And so I don't do this very often, but I wanna ask, the beginning of this new year, maybe you've done this a hundred times, the beginning of this new year, if you would say, I wanna honour God and I want Him first in my finances. And, and I'm not talking about the past, I'm talking from today forward. I want the favour of God in my finances. Would you raise your hand and say, this is my commitment, yeah. This is my commitment to God, that He would be first in my life. So keep your hands up, raised high. God, as you see these commitments right now, sealed with an outward expression of us lifting our hands to you to say you are first. God, I pray you would be the one who is faithful and fulfills the promises of Scripture that if we would return to you, if we would bring our tithe, then you would bring your blessing. And so God, there are people with their hands raised right now that are not sure how they make the numbers work. And so Lord, I pray for a courageous deposit of faith into their lives. And may they not use an earthly calculator, but use the calculator of heaven that opens up your resources, that the windows of heaven would shower down blessings, God, and they would experience fulfilling all their commitments at B and moving to life in C, the favour of God. We love you, Jesus, and we're gonna sing this song, crying out for breakthrough from your Holy Spirit now. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for giving your best to us. In your mighty name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.